it seems so cool to have a horse and you think you can have the perfect horse and the perfect dream and then you get there and you're like wait it's not actually like this and <laughs> it's a lot harder than you really think and so it's really fun like being around horses and stuff and i have gotten more scared and sometimes i'm like i love her but i'm kind of scared to go back but i keep going because i want this to happen and i want it to be a thing and so i just go back and i just kind of push through the pain welcome to the horsewoman project a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman from relationships to truck issues taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. Hello, hello. Hey. Hi. So we have a special guest with us. Camry, do you want to introduce her? Yeah. So we have my cousin, Callie. Uh, she is staying with me for the week, and we figured it would be kind of fun to bring her on. Um, so Callie, do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, how old you are, where you live, um, how you grew up and yeah, just tell us a little about you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Callie Longson. I'm 15. I'm from Orem, Utah. And I've grown up never really around horses, but I've always kind of loved them. And um, they're really fun to be around. I kind of started uh around like 11 in like a little barn in American Fork riding horses and I did that for like three years and I got too advanced for them and so I kind of took a break and recently my uncle has given me a horse to work with and she's kind of has problems but we're working through it and it's it's fun. It's kind of it. Yeah. Same uncle that uh, helped me with my start, too, actually. Yep. Put me oh, on that's... a horse bareback and <laughs> taught me how to ride, so. I love that full circle connection there. Yeah. <laughs> kind of fun. So we kind of wanted to pick Callie's brain today just because I feel like, or we feel like she's got a pretty unique story with being in the place that she's at. Um, so Camry, you know more about it. Do you want to start us off? Yeah. So I guess I'm mostly interested in hearing about like your initial transition from not being in horses at all to coming into learning about horses and like, cause you were talking about how kind of your dress, the way you dressed changed yeah. and, you know, and then people started, you know, talking about the way that you dressed and things. So um, yeah, just tell us about that initial um, initial shift into horses. You always liked horses, but I never really got into them. And I don't really know what made me start liking them. One time I just went up to my mom and I was like, I want to do lessons. And she was like, okay, we got to find a place. And so I went and it was fun. I would trade mucking out stalls and we would, and then they would give me lessons and then I kind of just like that kind of changed my life. And I went from like city girl to country girl. I started dressing different and like I just bought some boots and jeans and just went to school completely different. And I'm, I, it's really changed me. I really enjoy 
the like country life. I love horses and yeah. Yeah. So kind of what is it that, uh, aside from just the horses themselves, but what is it about the lifestyle shift with it that you felt like drew you to this? Well, I really, I mean, I've been to rodeos and I've just kind of seen, I love just the community, the people. I feel like lots of people are super nice and it's just like a really cool experience to be around all that stuff. I want to be in rodeo and yeah awesome I love that so I'm just curious but what have been or what has been some of the biggest challenges you've had going from not really being in the horse world not really being because you said you switched from being like city girl to country girl so what have been some of the biggest challenges you've had making that switch mostly I've been like kind of scared honestly for some things I mean, from city to country, I feel like people were kind of judging me, like, why did she just change like that? It's kind of weird. And there people were like, oh, it's probably just a phase. And I don't think it's a phase. Like, this is what I want to do for all my, like, the rest of my life. I really love it. And, I mean, first getting on horses, it's like a completely different change. And it's kind of scary. And I still get scared for some things. But it's it's really good. <laughs> Sounds like she's got a bug. Right? <laughs> she's got what? I think it was a, a Clinton Anderson quote that's been going around on TikTok. Have you seen it? About um, horses are like a drug. You've got to watch it. It's pretty good. But he's like, horses are like a drug. And you've got to be careful because it's really easy to get addicted to. And you're either going to get addicted to it or you're not going to get addicted to it. So like choose who you're going to be around right because you want to be around other people who are addicted to it if you're going to be in the drug or something like that anyways (laughs) I'm I'm doing like really horrible (laughs) at at quoting it but um but yeah I think you've got the bug it's fun (laughs) so I guess have you found kind of some people that um are in that that you feel like you connect with or do you kind of feel like you're still a little bit of of an outsider with some of the the other people that like you said were kind of judging you um I'm glad you asked because I wanted to actually say something about that (laughs) so I feel like I am still kind of an outsider because of where I live in Orem there's not much like horse people around there and so I've tried a lot to find people that can help me with it and I just really haven't yet besides my uncle and and you Camry (laughs) but it's it's kind of sad sometimes because it's hard to find friends that like to be around that stuff. But I mean, there's still time and there's still many, many amazing people that can be out there to help me. Yeah. Awesome. I'm glad you're still looking and that you didn't let the people that were judging you make you pull away from it. So yeah. <laughs> has that judgment been pretty hard do you feel like you've lost some friends making this shift I think sometimes it's pretty hard and I kind of have lost friends I feel like I had been closer with people and I don't know if this is the reason why exactly because I changed but I've kind of drifted away but I've been trying to find some good friends like in the horse community that can help me out cool Does your school have opportunities for you to do like FFA or um, 
I guess like horse 4-H or anything like that, any opportunities like that that you could participate in your own school? Um, yeah, they do have FFA and I took it part of last, no, part of this year, but I, I went for half of the year and then I had like, I had a friend that we did it with and we're not friends anymore. So we kind of left, but next year I'm definitely going to do FFA and I'm going to see if I can get into 4-H. I love that. Yeah. Me and her were talking earlier about, uh, cause she doesn't own her own horse and for 4-H you need to have a horse and so we were talking about kind of some options there of of leasing or borrowing someone's horse or um, things like that so we're going to see if we can get something figured out for her to go to 4-H yeah so what about this horse that your uncle's letting you do stuff with what's what's the story behind that horse because I thought it was like your horse but apparently not so listen (laughs) she's kind of my horse like he, we were at dinner one time and he was like, oh, I'm just getting older and I have too many horses. She's kind of a problem, but you can come over and whenever you want and work with her. And so when she was a foal, her mom died. And so it's been really hard for her. And as she's gotten older, since she's had some problems, they she hasn't had as many hours being ridden on. And she just has a hard time with other horses and She's more of a follower than like being by herself. So she just has a hard time with that, but I'm doing lots of groundwork with her and just trying to spend time with her. Oh, I see. So she is not a horse that you could just go ride or do 4-H on then. Yeah, no, she's not. Well, and she she didn't share this part either. Um, Tell them how many times you've ridden her and what happened. (laughs) So I've ridden her once and I got booked off. And so I haven't yet because we're just trying to work through some stuff. And I've also been trampled and rammed into. So, yeah. Oh, good. She's a handful of a mare. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Oh, for sure. How has um, those experiences with that mare, has that that made you more scared of horses in some ways? Uh, Yeah, sometimes. I've always seen, like, in horse shows or just people, I'm like, it seems so cool to have a horse and you think you're going to have the perfect horse and the perfect dream. And then you get there and you're like, wait, it's not actually like this. And (laughs) it's a lot harder than you really think. And so it's really fun, like being around horses and stuff. And I have gotten more scared. And sometimes I'm like, I love her, but I'm kind of scared to go back. But I keep going because I want this to happen and I want it to be a thing. And so I just go back and I just kind of push through the pain. I love that. Definitely. She's got the drug. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm like, yep. (laughs) No, it's very telling when you've been hurt and stuff and been put in, in scary situations and you're still like, nope, this is still going to be my life. I'm still going to do this. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I am going to figure this out. Yeah. And it's been fun because I have a couple horses that I just got like two weeks ago. So they're newish horses in training and so some of the things I'm doing with them are really going to translate into the kind of groundwork that she wants to do with uh, this horse of my uncle's and so we've been going over you know this is how you would handle this and and in certain situations like with the trampling and being pushed into and the pushiness and things like that 
of like how to handle that because we have a, one of the horses I've gotten training is super pushy for different reasons, um, but still super pushy. So I've had her working with her. Um, so it's been kind of fun to be able to help give her a few tools that she can take home yeah. to hopefully help things be a little less traumatic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Less trauma is good. <laughs> less trauma is always better. Yeah. So when, um, cause before we pressed record, Callie was saying how you want to learn more about groundwork and things. Is that mostly what you're interested in is, um, is like how to be safe on the ground or what else interests you as far as groundwork goes? I think it's mostly because she has some problems. It'll be easier to start with groundwork and kind of get her used to me and things and like get her less scared of some things. So then when I'm riding her, she'll be she'll listen better I like that yeah we talked a lot about kind of how there's you know when she told me she got thrown there's a lot of that like cowboy speak uh if you get bucked off get back on yeah and so I made sure we had a, a talk about you know you don't have to get back on eventually you should get back on a horse you don't necessarily need to get back on this horse you know and if all you ever do with this particular horse is groundwork great you know you, you, we need to be asking why things happened and why why did I get thrown why did this horse do that and so yeah we've talked a lot about like how to keep her safe and do things and 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 not just swing a leg back over because somebody tells you to <laughs> You mean actually process the situation and work through the situation before you just throw yourself back into the same situation? Crazy. (laughs) Insanity. What's that phrase of trying the same thing twice and expecting different results? (laughs) Yep. Yep. Go ahead. Okay, they were telling me to get back on and I was sitting on the ground and I was like, okay, I just got booked off. I need to take a break for a second. And I was like, I had my cowboy hat. I was like trying to fix it. Everyone's like, get back on. I was like, okay. And so I just hopped back on because everyone was pressuring me to. And it was fine after. I mean, she still didn't listen very well. But I was just like, I feel like we need to take a break here. So with that, like feeling like you had to be pressured to get back on, how did you feel? Like, I don't know. Could you explain a little bit more about how you felt getting back on that horse that just bucked you off? and kind of giving into that peer pressure how did that make you feel and what did you feel um what did you feel like the horse felt like too after that I mean I was scared I was okay because I had fallen off a horse before and gotten back on I was like I know I'm probably going to be okay and it was fine after but I was kind of scared and then I feel like my horse, her name is Ziggy I feel like Ziggy was kind of just like I don't want to be ridden right now because uh, she hadn't been ridden for a while and so we were both just kind of like maybe we shouldn't but we just did it anyways yeah well and there's a I'm trying to remember what what video it was but in any case um where they're talking about seven mistakes is what leads to um on airplanes is what leads to a crash so if there's six then it typically like stuff might go wrong, but it won't lead to a crash. But usually with seven, like that was after all the studies that they did and putting things together, seven was like that magic number of, well, if there were seven mistakes, then airplane crashes happen. And so there was a horse trainer relating this to horses and kind of the same thing. And so it's, it's not even just mistakes. It's little things. So like one factor would be the horse was feeling a little off that day. 
you know, grouchy or just not really wanting to be ridden. You know, another factor could be communication gaps where, you know, maybe she thought she was, Callie thought she was communicating one thing and Ziggy was misunderstanding and not understanding what was being asked, you know, and different things and, or maybe a saddle was pinching or a strap was pinching or, and, and so it's like, then you add up those things. And so sometimes your horse can be like at six, right. And be like almost ready to blow, but they're, they'll be fine. And then sometimes they like hit that point and, you know, people get thrown or things happen. And, and, um, but yeah, it's being able to take away some of those items. I feel like that's what like the groundwork is for, right. It's taking away some of these communication gaps and, and um body control things and all these other things so that then when you do get on even if one or two things doesn't go according to plan you still have a little bit of that like wiggle room right to to learn as you go um without having accidents happen so yeah yeah i like that because i feel like we we fixate on that seventh thing right so it's like the horse freaks out at at this one random thing and instead of going okay what built up to this situation how was the horse before this situation it's like oh well now my horse doesn't like logs or now my horse doesn't like this and and they don't like this or we over fixate and try to correct that one thing versus looking back at all uh, at the six other things that built up to that situation as well so I, I really like that analogy yeah so Callie Thinking about that analogy, what do you feel like built up for that situation? It's Ziggy? Yeah. With Ziggy. So I was just, we were sitting on her. We weren't moving yet. And we were just kind of getting her to like turn her head to get close to my knee on both sides. And she wasn't listening when I would do it. And so my uncle was kind of like helping her. And we were like, okay, we'll do this. And then we'll kind of start riding. And so she did it a little. Then we just started riding. And we were going good, and I was like, just we were kind of going straight. And for some reason, she just booked, like, booked it, ran off, and, like, did a sharp turn, kind of bucked, and I just flew off. Mm-hmm. So, so I think it was, like, annoyed with, because we were obviously, we in kind of in charge. We'd tell her what to do, but also we both need to listen to each other's, like, energy and kind of feel it. And she wasn't feeling it, so she just kind of was, I think, a little bit angry. So I'm curious of, like, looking back at that situation, what do you think you would have done differently, Callie? I think mostly because it was the first time I had even met her, like, gone over to his ranch and even seen her. And we just kind of went fast. We He taught me how to do some things like some groundwork I kind of loped her and stuff and then I was excited so I was like oh can we start riding and he was like yeah totally and so we just kind of went really fast she barely had like met me and I probably didn't do all the right things and so I think it was just kind of she was nervous and I was nervous and just kind of exploded <laughs> yeah that makes sense so if you could do it differently what would you have done probably not had got on her the first day and just made it for us to like meet each other better and get to know each other and learn each other's energy to see what kind of things we could do to work together 
I love that. So you would have taken a little bit more time to just get to know her and even see if you were a good fit before you got on her. Yeah. Is she speaking my language with energy? I'm like, all the goosebumps over here. I'm like, oh. I know. I'm like, so Camry's talked to you, hasn't she? <laughs> like today when we were working with Phoebe, I think I was just like, that's the right word to use. So let's use it. <laughs> I, mean, I like, like it. Though, but... Yeah. It's just clicked. Energy is a perfect word. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So you said you want to get into rodeo and things, right? Yeah. What specifically about rodeo are you interested in and what's your plan to get into it? Well, I don't know if I could because it's really expensive, but <laughs> I would like to be a header for roping or barrel racing would be cool. But it's like, I don't have a horse to do it because Ziggy couldn't and she's getting too old anyways but I just even I think the experience of it is cool just being by the bucking shoots or kind of just around helping I think that would be amazing but I I would love to get into it it's just mostly too expensive and I don't know yeah there's definitely a lot of volunteer opportunities though huh oh yeah well she kind of almost reminds me of uh what Chelsea Bowman <laughs> or she got into it she's like well we couldn't afford much so we just used the source and then she graduated to a better horse later on but yeah it's it's hard like everything in the horse industry is expensive yeah. in one way or another I mean just having enough tact to just ride your horse let alone entry fees and the truck and trailer you need and to haul your horse and all those things it's Horses aren't cheap, but no, it's it's doable. There's yeah. lots of ways you can find to do it, but sometimes you have to get a little creative. And I'm hoping <laughs> right. in the future I can get some sort of, like even just being there or learning barrel racing and roping or something. Just maybe working at it will yeah. help. Me, you know. Yeah, seriously, I think volunteering is the best way to just get involved because when you go and volunteer, you get to see all of the things that go into making the thing, right? Like you'll get to see all of the back end things and how how they're setting up, how people are crewing, how they're doing all the different things, which gets you more comfortable for the situation, right? And then yeah. you also get to meet a bunch of people and they see that you're willing to volunteer and give freely of your time and of your energy, which normally comes back, you know, comes back to you. If you're willing to give, people often want to give you too. So I, I like that. Um, are there places in Orem, I, I would assume there are the like riding clubs or something that you could be a part of. Have you ever looked into those? Um, not really. The only thing I've kind of looked into was like we talked about 4-H and I, I think if I did that, it could help me a lot for rodeo. Also, like getting into the like people that do rodeo and they could help me like be there. Yeah, and I love 4-H. I, I never did it because I didn't get into horses till I was 18, so I was never involved in 4-H, but I've been taking my eight-year-old son this year to some practices. He's not quite old enough to compete until next year, but he's just going to practices for fun, and it's just been really fun seeing how many different events they get to do, everything from pleasure to bareback to um, quadrangle and... Um, the speed events, you know, the pulls and the barrels and it's, there's just such a variety that 4-H exposes you to that you can kind of figure out what you're, what you like within 
the horse industry. And I just, I love 4-H. It's been so fun just taking trip a couple of times this year. So I'm really excited to hopefully see if we can get Kelly in it. Yeah. (laughs) And your kids have been teaching me the quadrangle every time (laughs) we go out and ride. I love it. So for those people who don't know what a quadrangle is, do you guys want to explain that? Um, so it's, there's, uh, four points on the corners, like, a uh, hence the quad, right? Four points. And then the triangle part comes in where there's two cones in the middle that they have to go through. So they go through the two middle cones and then go to one corner and the other corner with left-hand turns and then back to the middle to make that triangle. And then they go to the other side and do a right-hand turn, a right-hand turn, and back to the middle. So they have to do little triangles within this little square here um and it's a timed event so it's it's just kind of fun it's something that's different than just barrels right it's a, just a different pattern so I think it's fun to to teach your horse how to go how to do straight lines how to turn how to go fast um so it's kind of it's kind of fun Trip loves it it's his favorite of all the things he's done so far <laughs> he's going to be a little speed demon <laughs> I love it so if I'm picturing it right does it does it look like an hourglass? Is that the shape that yeah. they're making? Okay. Yeah. I just realized that in my head right before you said it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that is what it is. <laughs> yep. Well, I think 4-H is a great starting point for sure. Cause like Camry said, it'll get, it'll get your foot in the door of a lot of different things to see if you like any of it um which is cool because I was the same as Camry I never did 4-H with horses um growing up but I had a few friends that didn't I don't remember them doing all that much stuff like one friend I went and watched her routine and it was it was mostly just a single routine and she like actually did like a full-on pleasure routine or something with her horse like to music and that's all I really remember of the of the 4-H around here but then um doing lessons and things I had quite a few kids in 4-H and so I really learned quickly what the different patterns were different things so we could prep Mm -hmm. them for 4-H and it is really cool all the different things that they get to try out yeah for sure and it's like I feel like it's a super supportive environment too at least ours is I you know like I said I haven't been to tons of different 4-H groups but there's just everyone wants to help everyone and like last time trip was just trying to get quasi to get his right lead because quasi prefers his left he's a rope horse he's always done his left lead and and then his shoulders are a little bit arthritic because he's 23 um and so anyway he was he was just trot, trot, trotting and then not loping and then trip was a little bit nervous too you know and and but the whole group was just like come on quasi like you know clicking it forward and trying to help trip and like it's just so fun and supportive and it's it's not so competitive that people are just snobby you know everyone just wants to help everyone it's so so fun and supportive so I'm glad because if I go with you I was kind of nervous <laughs> and I was like oh because I'm not as experienced probably as the other kids with riding but I'm glad you said that because now yeah. I'll be less nervous <laughs> I want to take her with us tomorrow when we go to 4-H practice so <laughs> do it <laughs> you should I don't know could you take a horse and ride in the practice with them yeah we're thinking of bringing hickory and letting her ride him around we'll have to see we haven't hauled him a lot in the last six months but he's such a chill dude that I'm like eh, I think it'd be fine <laughs> so I'm gonna ride him around first just in case because he's only five years old <laughs> but, but yes yeah. I think taking Hickory is and like if you if she's able to ride that would be so awesome 
just so yeah. she can kind of get comfortable and when yeah. you're there to give the support. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's been fun. I've been helping coach while I've been at the 4-H practices just for fun. <laughs> and it's like, it makes my heart so happy to help all these kids. I mean, they just, oh, it makes me happy. Because <laughs> they just like, there's little sponges. They just soak it all in. I'm like, <laughs> I, need to I love it. I love it. So I'm curious, just from that standpoint, how is it with the group, like having a huge group of kids all on horses and being an instructor? Because that's the only thing that's keeping me from like starting a 4-H group here is I just have memories of when I had huge groups like that with previous barns I was at and it was always a nightmare. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to be back in that situation. But what have you yeah. noticed? So this group is kind of small this year. I think there's like seven or eight kids. Um, last year, I did coach them a couple times, and I think there were probably almost double that, like 12 or 13 kids. Um, the biggest thing I've noticed is like some of them are more friends, so they get chatty, and then they don't listen. Um, and so like just trying to kind of rein that in sometimes. Um, but for the most part, they're all, like I said, like super supportive and and honestly, most of the times that they get chatty is when they get bored. So it's just like, as long as you keep them occupied, then they do really well. And I haven't had any, any issues. So. And do they all control their horses pretty well? Yeah. For the most part. Okay. Yeah. There's a couple times the horses will just like blow through the bits and, and, uh, you know, if they're going through the quadrangle, they'll just like go out the one end and they'll like not finish the thing, just like run around the arena. Um, but yeah, no, most of the time it's, it's pretty good. And then most of the horses are pretty solid. Like a lot of them are like 20 something year olds. So they've been there, done that. So if another horse is running or doing anything, the horse just runs back to the group and the other horses are like, Hey man, you're back. Like, <laughs> What's up? <laughs> How so you do it? Yeah. <laughs> So it hasn't, yeah, it hasn't been too bad, but I did, uh, the gal Jade that, well, Jade that we had on, she coaches the group and she said that it, uh, there have been some like <laughs> situations before and I'm like, yeah, I don't doubt it. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's my only reservation. Cause I just have bad memories from bigger barns where it's like, we had 20 kids and just not enough hands. And it was always just like that, like everyone made it out of life. We're just so yeah. thankful no one died <laughs> you know, well, at the end of a lesson. Oh yeah, that's like sends my anxiety through the roof. Even like thinking about horses bolting or kids coming off horses, I'm like, no, I need to like control this situation. Like, <laughs> start oh, yeah. and being like, <laughs> for sure. So speaking of fun horsey situations, uh, we talked a couple weeks ago about my clinic in Harriman. So we talked about the two trailer loading horses and we wanted to, everyone wanted updates. I say everyone, Michaela wanted to update. I wanted <laughs> updates. If I want updates, surely everybody wants updates. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what happened. Um, so I, I chatted with both of the gals and, and the one girl said, the horse is doing great. The one that would scoot his butt over. And she's like, oh yeah, everything's going great with him. And his backup is getting straighter and he's doing like, great and and um she actually had some questions for me about a different horse that she's working with that's a, a green horse 
And it, it brought up a point that I wanted to share mainly because I feel like it's a very common misconception. And her question was about this horse pushing through the bit. And so he, she had him in a twisted wire snaffle and she's like, well, what bit should I move up to next if he's not listening to this one? And I was like, don't move up, move down, <laughs> move down. Um, and so I, I told her that, you know, I said just a basic, like not twisted, just your basic snaffle. And she's like, well, I tried him in that and it was even worse. And, and I was like, well, the problem is if you, if he's pushing on a bit right now, and that's his response to the bit is to push on it. Then you get a bigger bit, you get bigger push. And it like, yes, to a certain point, it's like, if you have enough leverage on that bit and it's got really long shanks, but you're going to destroy your horse's mouth. Um, and then eventually you're going to have to move to a bigger bit because you're really not teaching the horse anything with that. You're just providing pain for them to avoid. But then when they get dulled to that bit and they, then they'll just push through it. So you're just not really teaching them how to give to that so I, I sent her several videos and was like this is kind of the general idea like you know without me being there in person this is the best I got for you you know and um but it kind of gave her this aha mo moment through text and she's like oh well like everyone I ask has been telling me to move to a bigger bit but I really like this idea better like this sounds so much better and I'm like oh yay like I'm so glad that it made sense to her and that that uh, she felt like it was something that she wanted to explore that avenue um, and that's actually what I'm doing with a, a horse that I've got in training that he was broke before he came and they want me to do finish work with him. And um, so, but instead of starting him in a bit, I started him in a hack. And so I've got him just in a halter hackamore. And um, he's, he's really pushy. He's really big. He's my hefty boy. Um, and so he tends to be like a ton of bricks. Right. <laughs> and, but I was thinking about graduating out of the hackamore and then I'm like, no, if he cannot be soft with this, I'm not going to, I'm not graduating into that snaffle yet. And then we won't be graduating into a, a shank bit or a curb bit at all um, until he's super responsive with both the hackamore and the snaffle. So it, it applies to the horses that blow through bits and just like run through them or horses like this one that I'm talking about that's in training where he's more just like heavy on it you know he's he's lazy lazy heavy not um running through it heavy on the bit so either situation you need to go back to go back a couple of steps <laughs> don't get that bigger bit well and it i can see there being a lot of resistance to that idea too because it does take more time right like if you, if you if you push back it does take more time but there's going to be less pain involved for the horse in that area i agree with you like <laughs> yeah back off <laughs> but I am curious though because like for me I've always been taught that the hackamore is more like you you do you do a snaffle a shake and then it's the hackamore is like the the level above all of those um so I am curious to hear your opinion on why it's the first step versus the last step well I guess I should say more of like a halter hackamore so a soft hackamore so not your bazil so that one would come probably later um, for most horses. Um, I think that depends on the trainer too. Some of them, I think, do that first. Um, but I just like the halter hackamore mainly because every single horse that you're going to ride has worn a halter first. So it's something that I can communicate with that horse on the ground 
all of the things with the halter that I want them to do under saddle. And then I can get under saddle and have the exact same piece attack on their face so that they understand the cues. They And then I can place a bit in their mouth on top of the halter and get them used to the bit, just carrying it while I use the halter cues. And then I can translate that into, well, a lot of times I'll do ground driving as well and use the bit for that. And then we combine all of those with a rider and a bit and, and use all the same cues. So it just helps me in my progression of moving from groundwork to saddle work and moving from a halter hackamore into a, a snaffle bit. So that's the progression that I use there. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I think making that um, distinction between a bozelle and a hackamore, because I do feel like people think those are the same thing. They are not the same thing. Um, but with that too, Callie, do you have any questions? Because I, I ask all the questions. I always ask questions. But if you have questions, go ahead and pipe in. <laughs> well, I don't know anything about bits or hackamores. So when you were saying that, I was like, because I know what they are, obviously, but I don't know, like, the difference between them. Or, like, I know the difference between a hackamore and a bit, but between different hackamores and different bits. Yeah. So that's great because if you've got questions, then probably some of our listeners do, right? So um, with bits and hackamores, so a hackamore just means it goes around the nose. Um, a lot of people mistakenly will call the mechanical hackamores a hackamore, and that is not it. A mechanical hackamore is, it squeezes the nose. So they usually have like a chain underneath and then a nose band on top. And then as you pull on the shanks, it squeezes both sides of it. So squeezes the top and the bottom. Um, I, I'm really not a fan of mechanical hackamores. <laughs> I have never used one, nor will I use one. <laughs> um, so we're talking about just your basic hackamore, which is just like a lot like a halter is pretty much what it is. So that's your, gonna be your soft hackamores is they're gonna be movable, bendable around the nose. And then they have a knot at the bottom. Um, so your pressure, your rain pressure is going to come from underneath the chin. So then you also have, I guess, what some people would call a side pull, right? Which is essentially a, a halter or a head stall, but then they have connections on the nose. So that when you pull, it comes from the side of their nose. Um, so there's a little bit of a difference there too. Um, but those are both things that are bitless. So that means they don't have a piece of metal in the horse's mouth. And then with your bits, your snaffle bits are all going to have some kind of ring, D-ring, O-ring, egg butt, um, any kind of ring that makes it direct pressure. Um, so that when you pull one pound, the horse feels one pound, and then they'll break in the middle usually. Um, so, and just to clarify here, if it has a shank on it and it breaks in the middle, that is not a snaffle. <laughs> Please do not use a tom thumb and tell me you're using a snaffle. <laughs> so little pet peeve there of uh, tom thumbs. And then you've also got your curved bits, which are the ones like Quasi uses, if you've seen his. So his has a shank that drops down. And that just means it uses leverage pressure. So when you pull on that lever, that shank that comes down, it's the horse is going to feel more pressure than what you're pulling because of that lever. So, okay. 
I feel like it's kind of hard to visualize. So let's add in just some basic pictures. I, I can put in a link to some basic pictures of what each of those look like, just so you guys can kind of get an idea. Cause a lot of people probably don't know what a shank is or what, yeah. or what a D ring is or anything. So we'll, we'll put in some basic, a link to some basic photos of yeah. what they look like. Just so you, if you are really curious, you could take a look at those. Yeah. And then also one thing with bits too, don't overthink them. So many people overthink bits and they, they think that they need to switch from a, an egg butt to a D-ring or from a, one thing to another thing. And they always are switching bits, switching bits, switching bits, when really the problem isn't the bit. The problem is the horse's response to rain pressure. Um, so not that you shouldn't try a different bit if your horse truly hates it. Like if your horse can't even comfortably pack it and just wear it around on top of their halter while you lead them around or ride them around with the halter. Um, it's probably not a good fit for your horse's mouth if they can't comfortably just carry it. Um, so there are, you know, ones that break in two places and slightly different shapes for a horse's mouth. But overall, you shouldn't be needing to switch bits constantly um, as long as you're teaching your horse how to respond to it so that you never need to get really heavy and cause pain in the horse's mouth. So, Yeah. Yeah. Kind you of. get that a lot, Michaela, of people wanting to like, well, what bit should I use? What bit, what bit, what bit? And just like really overthinking their bit choices. Do you get that? Or is that I just don't me? I don't get that as much um on my end, but mm -hmm. I deal a lot more with people who are riding my horses versus their own horses. Um and then the ones who are normally on their own horses, I, I'm trying to think if I ever really had all that many con conversations about bits. I think once in, well, there, there was a couple of clients where it was like, ah, your bit is way too harsh. Let's talk about why it's too harsh mm -hmm. and let's go down and let's practice that. Um, but for the most part, it was very few just because the horses were being ridden in what I chose for them to be ridden in, in most of the situations I had. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think to some people, when you start talking about bits, they're like, okay, this is a foreign language. <laughs> check it out. And I, I tend to kind of check out a little bit too. Just, I know bits, I know, you know, the basics of them and everything, but I'm also somebody who just has never overthought bits. I always go for simple, like my horse is in a, what is it? French link snaffle. So it's got two brakes or three brakes in it or something like that. It's very chill, you know, <laughs> or I'm going to ride in a halter. I, I don't normally have any other type of bit in them yeah. just because I just, yeah, again, I, I've never been one to overthink the bits. Yeah. Yeah. And Hickory's still in a French link. So he's about ready to graduate out of that. Um, but I mean, he's five. And uh, so anyway, it's, it's nice to be able to keep them in snaffles and really just get a lot more softness and refinement before you graduate up into the bigger things so yeah so one quick question from that um because for me I just I'm in a position I don't care what you know I'll, I'll use whatever bit or headstall my horses just prefer um and if they if I can tell like Sandy's getting like irritated with a bit like that's why I went back to the French link snaffle because I had her in just a a, a curb shank like a very very chill shank um which you actually put me in when I started lessons with you and I had her in that for a while and I went back to the to the snaffle once we focused on endurance because I just noticed she didn't like to carry that as much mm -hmm. when we went longer as she and she 
does just fine with our snaffle. So for, I guess, what, why do you graduate? Why do horses need to graduate from one bit to another? If they like the one bit, why do we need to graduate them to another bit? Um, you don't need to. Um, it's more of a, like one of the biggest reasons Hickory needs to graduate is because he's getting more into roping live steers. And um, when there is that intense of an event where they are going to be, because he's going to be a head horse. So he's going to be pulling a 700 plus pound steer across the arena and it is full speed. And like every split second matters. Um, the, the cueing needs to be like, you can't wait half a second for them to respond to it. So it's just something that needs to be very specific, very, um, very immediate response. And Hickory can be one that leans. Now he will get soft through a session, but he starts every single session where he will lean on things. Um, and so just for the intensity of the event and the, you know, it's, they're trying to rope it in eight seconds, eight to eight to 15 seconds. And, um, so it's, it's just for better communication, quicker communication, something they're going to notice even when their brain is going at a dead run, you know, when they're just pumped full of adrenaline, it's, they still need to be able to pay attention to that bit there. And sometimes a snaffle just is a little too mild. And then honestly, I do think that the nutcracker effect of a snaffle for roping can actually be worse than a shank because your snaffle it can fully collapse whereas a lot of the like correction bits and things they won't fully collapse around your horse's mouth so it's not going to press on the bars and things like it's going to spread the pressure out better so again when these ropers get a little bit more handsy and they're doing this full speed event um it's going to be a little bit actually kinder in my opinion to your horse's mouth versus that completely collapsible snaffle so speaking of which, I did recently order a new snaffle that doesn't collapse and I love it. <laughs> nice. Cool. Well, Callie, are you bored yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> Callie no. and I tend to talk. <laughs> no, so uh, kind of on a slightly different note. So I gave you the update on the one trailer loading horse. So the other one, which was the one that would just park his feet at the beginning and just stop at the front and he you know not scared or anything just being like no <laughs> I don't feel like it um so she said they have only needed to use a butt rope on him once and she said the technique that I showed her has been working great so he Success. probably just had an off day where they were trying to rush him and then it was the butt rope or something you know when when we humans get uh, in a rush and like we need to be there right now that's always when the horse is like, and no. <laughs> yeah, I've been having, Sandy started doing that to me again last week where she's like, mm -hmm. she just, she does the same thing, just parks and goes, uh-uh. And it's nice now because we've I've done so much work with her that it's like, no, I know you're just being a turd versus like, she's actually nervous about the trailer and it has, um, and it's been good too, because I can go at it in a different way and be like, no, you will be getting in. Like, we are not playing around with this. And it took five seconds and then she's just hops right in. And now yeah. she just hops right in again. I do feel like there's going to be those things where you're just going to always have to come back to it. Like, you never yeah. know when, but your horse at some point will probably not want to get in the trailer. And at yeah. some point they might be a little cinchy. And at some point they're not going to want to pick up their feet. And it's just that repetition 
even even the most trained horses I've had come up and be like I don't want to have the yeah. saddle on today you know yeah well and I feel like that's a good part of horsemanship too is you're always circling back to things with whether it's training things or like concepts that you come back to with more meaning or like you said different situations and yeah it's it's never just this straight line right <laughs> it's always we like go up and then oh and then we have a regression here and then we go up here but then we have a little regression in this area and then <laughs> it's always always more learning always more learning yeah with horses and with ourselves <laughs> for sure yeah. so Callie um is there anything about what we've talked about so far that you want to do you have questions about um I feel like I, I mean, I don't have any questions because you guys have explained everything super well. And so I hope it's that way for everyone else that's listening. Good. Perfect. So I have a question for you too. With the groundwork that I showed you with Phoebe, um, do you feel like it's going to be something that you can take home and practice with Ziggy and that'll be helpful? Or like, was there one thing that stuck out to you in a little bit of what we did? Or how did you feel about it? Uh, I think it will be helpful. And I took some notes so I can remember. But I think the thing where you stand by their shoulder and have the, was it carrot stick? Uh, essentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, like go Many left and right things. to have their butt go around. I think that'll mm -hmm. help, especially because she has like trampled me and rammed into me. So get to get her to have her shoulder away from me, but still be close to her. I think that'll help. Yeah. Awesome. So to clarify with you and our listeners, Michaela, um, we talked a lot about that pushy behavior and how a lot of times we don't realize that our horse will sneak their shoulder or their front feet in closer to us and we step away. Right. And so, um, teaching the horses how to move their feet and go out around us so that even if we're dealing with a spooky horse that might feel the need to move their feet, if we create habits of teaching that horse to go around and to give us a bubble, right? And, and how to appropriately move around us. Um, that, that was one of the big things I wanted to work on with Callie was, okay, let's keep you safe on the ground so that you can still keep working with Ziggy on the ground. Um, and so it's, and it's, it's so funny how many people don't realize that that happens. Like I said, of those, the horse's feet stepping in and then you just move slightly out of the way, just unconsciously, you don't even think about it. And um, so just a lot of making sure you use, again, like, right, this energy word, yay, energy, to, like, use your energy to keep your horse, like, hey, you know, got this this spot here that you're not allowed to come in my space. Um, so I think it's super important. If, if your horse ever has pushed into you, for any of our listeners, if they, like, go through a gate and have run you over through the gate, or if you stop your feet when you're leading them and they just keep going work on this work on your horse being able to lead with you nicely and and then when you you know if there's something behind them that scares them that you know they will go around you and that they're not going to run over you so one of the very first things you should work on <laughs> yeah being run over is no joke huh Callie no oh no it's nothing yeah awesome well, thanks for joining us, Callie. Ah. <laughs> it was very good to talk to you. I love hearing your story. Thank you. We'll have to have you back on when you've done your 4-H and everything and, <laughs> and see where you're, see where you're at next. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Should we uh, sign off and come back next week? Sounds good to me. I'll talk to you later. 
Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.